True story. Just the other day, I was talking with a friend and they said to me, John, I really want to buy a home in Raleigh, but I have no idea where to start. Please help me. I said, friend, calm down and look no further than Ashley Quinn of Fonville Morrissey Premier Agents Network. They said, Ashley Quinn, she sounds great, but how do you know she can help me buy a home in the Triangle? I said, my friend, Ashley helped my wife and I buy our home just earlier this year. She made sure we got the home we wanted, even with other people in the mix. And they said, well, what if I want to sell my current home? I said, well, Ashley Quinn does that too. She does it all. And then they were like, well, all that sounds great, but how do I get in touch with her? I said, well, today's your lucky day. I've got her business card right here. Email her at ashley at ashquinn.com. All in all, great conversation. Welcome. You are listening to the 919 Podcast, the only podcast all about the over 1.5 million people living in and transforming the triangle of North Carolina. I'm your host, John Carter, and today I talk with Sarah and Aaron from the Duke Lemur Center located in Durham. This episode has been in the works for quite some time. Uh, Sarah and I originally met back in March when I visited the Lemur Center and went on a tour. And actually, if you follow the podcast on social media, You'll see a really uh, cheesy picture of me next to one of the the lemurs there. Anyway, uh, Sarah and I have been trying to find some time to record. We finally did. I'm so excited to be publishing this episode. We talk about the center, its history, impact, some fun stories. Also, there were there was a celebrity that lived uh, on the site, so we'll talk about that uh, and much more. So let's get into it. My conversation with Sarah and Aaron. I'm on the phone with Sarah Clark and Aaron Hecht from the Duke Lemur Center. Sarah is the Director of Communications, while Aaron is a Student Projects and Research Technician, which is a very cool title, as well as working in research and enrichment, which we'll get into later. So thank you both for being on the 911 podcast. Yeah, thank you. So first, I want to talk about your journeys here. If there are any people aspiring to work with lemurs, Uh, they can take notes. So that being said, Sarah, you don't have a traditional path to the Duke Lemur Center. So can you tell me more about uh, your background? Yeah, of course. Um, So I grew up in Appalachia in Southern Ohio on a several hundred acre farm that's been in the family since the 1830s. Um, Daughter of a seventh generation farmer, uh, grew up with animals and I had Amish neighbors. There is no way I would ever have envisioned when I was younger that I would wind up in a job like this. Um, So I went to school uh, for a bachelor's degree in the very practical field of classics. So I knew Latin and Greek, um, really like really ancient artwork and dead languages. Um, And at the time I thought I really wanted to be a classics professor, but I was so shy. I knew that I could never lecture in front of a classroom. So before pursuing grad school, I decided to look for a job that would force me to talk to strangers. And I opened up the classifieds and I wound up working for Nissan, um, selling cars. As one does. Yes, exactly. I don't know where they hired me. I have no idea. Um, But they did. And I wound up working there for almost three years. 
And that was kind of the background of the sales and marketing experience that I've been building on ever since. Awesome. Um, yeah. I saw, I saw something on your bio. Maybe you sent it to me or I saw on the website, but you said, uh -huh. quote, I'm probably the only <laughs> blue devil that could read in four languages, hawk a pickup truck and castrate a goat. Care to really? explain? <laughs> <laughs> It's a valuable life skills job. <laughs> I never know when they'll come in handy. <laughs> um, yeah, so after, after selling cars for two and a half, three years, I enrolled at Duke, um, again, pursuing, I really loved Greek. Um, so just looking at Greek, also using my Latin and uh, medieval ideology and iconology. Um, and, you know, graduated from there with a master's degree and worked in an admissions department for a while, moved to Oxford University Press for a few years, um, and then wound up coming back to Duke. Um, I love being back here because even though I don't get to work directly with the animals like Aaron does, it's still a way to blend my personal background with those goats or cattle or sheep. <laughs> That's um, so cool. My kind of animal background with the sales and marketing experience that I've acquired over the last 15 years. That's so cool. And so as director of communications, uh, just tell me more about that. What do you do for the Duke Lemur Center? There's a lot. Um, so I oversee all of our public messaging um, on our tours, on our signage, on all of our printed documents, our magazines, booklets, social media, uh, you name it. I also do a lot of writing. I do a lot of graphic design. Um, so I can use that kind of fine arts background. Um, Lots of photography, supervising interns, work really closely with the education department. And I also handle all of our media requests, um, including film requests from places like the BBC or National Geographic, um, which is really cool. And a fun fact, if you see a lemur on a TV documentary, if that lemur was not filmed in Madagascar, chances are it was filmed right here in Durham, North Carolina, at the Duke Lemur Center. That's very cool. Yeah. All right, Aaron, what's your story? How did you get to be in the Triangle and working here at the uh, Duke Weimer Center? Uh, so I grew up in the DC area and um, knew that I wanted to work with animals in some capacity, but wasn't sure you know, whether that would be um, going to vet school or doing field research um, or working um, at a zoo. Um, so when I was a student at the University of Maryland, I reached out as part of a class assignment to a Maryland alum who had graduated from the same um, environmental science program as me um, and was just interviewing him for this assignment. Uh, but during the call, he encouraged me to get involved as a volunteer at the National Zoo. Um, and that little bit of encouragement um, led me to get involved. Um, first, I was um, operating the panda cam at the National Zoo um, and helping with a behavioral study with the giant pandas, um, and then moved over and was a keeper aide in their primate department, working with gorillas, uh, orangutans, and lemurs. And so ultimately, I knew I wanted to work um, a full-time position um, with primates, and through the staff of the National Zoo, found out about the lemur center um, so about seven years ago, I was hired on as a primate technician. Um, so I was fortunate to be a part of the center's um, animal care team. When I um, first started and about three, let's see, four years ago, I moved over into the current position um, where I am assisting with our research, helping to facilitate um, research that comes into the center as well as um, coordinating a lot of our volunteer programs and our intern program. Very cool. And uh, to be fair, I mean, it's great that you change positions, but I think primate technician sounds, uh, you know, the better of the two as far as uh, how cool the job title is. Yeah, it definitely sparks conversations <laughs> at, at parties. 
Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Well, uh, I was hoping you guys could take, tell me more about the Duke Lemur Center. So what is some of the history? And Sarah, I'll start with you since your job okay. is to talk about the center a lot. Hopefully I'll do a good job. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the Duke Lemur Center was founded 53 years ago, back in 1966. So we've been around for a really long time. And we are the largest and most diverse population of lemurs in the world outside their native Madagascar. So lemurs are found in the wild only on the island of Madagascar, and they are in fact the most endangered group of vertebrates in the world. In fact, about 95% of the approximately 100 species of lemur that are still in existence um, are threatened with extinction. Unfortunately, that beats out all other groups of mammals, reptiles, amphibians, birds, and bony fish, which is not a distinction that we want lemurs to have. Um, so the Duke Lemur Center does a lot of conservation work. Uh, for over 35 years, we've actually been working on the ground in Madagascar with local Malagasy people um, trying to protect lemurs' natural habitat. Here in Durham, we do a lot of conservation breeding. We also do a lot of research. Um, so we were founded as a research institution. All of that research is non-invasive. Um, but we have found that by studying all of the variables that most affect lemurs' health and reproduction and social dynamics, that's how we learn how to most effectively focus our conservation work in Madagascar to help save these animals from going totally extinct in the wild. Um, and one of the reasons we have so many lemurs here in Durham is that this is a genetic safety net for those animals. Um, should the worst happen, um, the safety net population guards against total extinction in the wild, and it preserves the possibility of one day reintroducing lemurs into their native habitat. Wow, that's so cool. And tell me yeah. about the property itself. I mean, I've, I've been there with you before. It, it's yeah. massive, and most people aren't even aware that it's, it's in Durham. Right. <laughs> yeah, we're kind of hidden out in the woods. We're in Duke Forest. Um, we're maybe five, seven minutes from Duke University Chapel on Duke's West Campus. Um, you said 80 acres. A lot of it is uh, forested natural habitat. And when the weather is warm enough for them, we actually have lemurs free ranging in the trees, um, just as you would see in Madagascar. Um, wow. Just really incredible. I think that's what you saw when you were out here, John, right? You saw some shavax and some ringtails. Yes, uh, they got really close, which yep. uh, was <laughs> both terrifying uh, and awesome. So that was, that was a very cool experience. Yes, yeah. it's, it's wonderful to see them in the <laughs> wild here in Durham. It, it's awesome. Well, Aaron uh, wanted to know what's your job as, and I uh, want to make this right, because you, you've had a couple different um, jobs here so far. So you used to be primate technician, now more students projects and a research uh, technician. So maybe explain both and, and what you do. Absolutely. So the first position, the primate technician um, job, um, is basically, um, you know, the day-to-day -day care of the lemur colony. Um, we have 13 staff members who oversee um, everything from feeding the animals, um, training with them, creating enrichment, maintaining their enclosures, assisting with tours. Um, the primate technicians know the animals um, best here on staff. They are working the most closely with them. Um, and uh, we just have an amazing team um, that uh, care for the animals. Um, and so it was an honor to be part of that team. And while I was um, a primate technician, I realized that one of my favorite parts of the job was working with the volunteers that um, give of their time um, and are part of the Lemur Center family. And so when I transitioned over into this new job, um, now I have um, the opportunity to um, involve students and, uh, and community members as a part of our volunteer programs, uh, 
screening applications and uh, training new volunteers, um, organizing all the logistics for our intern program, which targets undergraduate students um, who are interested in getting into this field. Um, so, you know, when I was in college, I had that that person that kind of encouraged me to be able to um, to um, start uh, in this field. And so now I get to do the same thing for for um, aspiring, you know, zookeepers, uh, vets, um, anyone who wants to to work with animals and and get to know um, uh, what it's like to um, to be involved in animal care. That's so neat. And where are these students coming from? Mainly, or from the Triangle, or beyond? So our volunteer position is um, primarily students who are uh, in the triangle um, since it's a weekly commitment. Um, but for our intern program, we have folks come from all over the United States. So it's great to have that diversity of experiences um, joining us for the this 10 week summer program. Very cool. Well, I definitely want to talk more about the, the actual conservation research and efforts, uh, public awareness that's going on. But uh, first, uh, you know, there's no way we could get through this uh, uh, podcast without mentioning uh, the celebrity who lived <laughs> at Duke Lemur Center for quite a while. So um, there was some sort of famous show uh, filmed there, right? There was indeed. <laughs> well, tell me about it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so uh, Martin Kratt, who is one of the, the Kratt brothers um, who created Kratt's Creatures, uh, Wild Kratt's now, also created Zoobumafu, which was his second television series. And so Bumafu starred one of the cockerel Shabaks named Jovian here at the Duke Lemur Center. Um, and a large part of that show was actually filmed right here at the DLC. That's so cool. And Jovian, although he did pass away, um, mm -hmm. I think in 2014, right? He was 20 years old yep. at the time. Um, uh -huh. Some of his descendants still live at the DLC, some royalty. That's right. Um, Jovian sired, Aaron may know better than I do, maybe 10 infants. Um, these guys are endangered. Jovian definitely did his part for our conservation breeding <laughs> <laughs> So we still have uh, children and grandchildren of Jovian here at the Duke Lemur Center. And yes, they are very, very popular. That's so cool. And it, it's just, you wouldn't think that there'd be a TV show necessarily filmed uh, here in the Triangle, but that was such a... Uh, such a popular show for you know that age group for for so long so uh, it's, it's always just very surprising most people don't think of it yeah um we i probably get one email or message a week from kids who are now young adults who grew up watching Sokumafu and were so impacted by that show of <laughs> the Krat brothers by starring El Shafak by you know having lemurs so frequently on their shows have introduced an entire generation to lemurs um, and the importance of wildlife conservation. Um, and people can't care about what they don't know about. And it's because of so Bumafu and now they just filmed like six episodes or did six episodes of Wild Kratts on lemurs as well. Um, but it's because of those shows that so many kids and young adults today know and care about lemurs. Of course. And and the you know movie Madagascar did a did a lot, I'm sure, <laughs> for awareness. <laughs> Um, for better or for worse. <laughs> for better or for worse. <laughs> that came um, brilliant. That would never happen on. <laughs> um, yeah, we talked about that, right? Because yeah. it's uh, we'll talk. Actually, you tell us about that. Uh, why King yeah. Julian would would not be a thing. <laughs> 
So one of the things that makes lemurs so special, uh, one of the things I love the most about them is that they live in a female dominant society, which is actually quite rare in the animal world. So in the movie Madagascar, there should in fact be a queen, Julian. and Juliana. Juliana, right. that's right. Queen Juliana. None of this King Julian stuff. Right. Um, males in the lemur world are very, very low in the on the totem pole. Literally sometimes, and they're smaller, right? There actually isn't a lot of size difference. Um, you do see it though sometimes because females, because they are dominant, that means that they receive preferential access to food. So they can eat more food. They can eat the best food. So we do have some some rounded out females here <laughs> um, who have definitely taken advantage of you know female dominance sure sure all right well aaron wanted to ask you what is it like caring for lemurs and then maybe go into what types there are because i was i was so surprised uh, you think of the ring-tailed uh lemurs but there there are so many different um different types there and species yeah, that was definitely something that I was drawn to when I first came to visit the Lemur Center. Uh, you go to most zoos and they have one, um, two, maybe three species of lemurs. And typically it's the ringtails. That's what most people are familiar with. Um, and then possibly cockle shafak or a species of ruffed lemurs. Um, but there's just this incredible diversity um, in the wild. And we have that small subset. Um, you know, and so most people don't know about the mongoose lemur or the crowned lemur, or the collared lemurs, uh, and each species has very distinct, um, you know, physical characteristics, um, distinct uh, personalities. Um, and so um, when you're taking care of the animals, you really get to know the individuals well um, and learn a lot about the natural history of those species. Um, when you're working, um, one-on-one -on -one and you see them every day, um, you pick up on uh, even the slightest um, changes in behavior, changes in the social structures of their groups. And um, it's, yeah, it's an incredible thing. Uh, it's definitely a learning experience throughout uh, time in animal care. Um, you're constantly learning more about the species and more about how to better care for them. Um, but uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's a treat to, to be able to care for them that closely. Are there any escape artists? <laughs> yes, uh, for sure. I would say that the rough lemurs tend to be the escape artists. I you know, still hear about it now with our volunteers who are going in to help clean the animal enclosures. And occasionally we get the call, you know, this animal's out in the hallway. Um, and it's usually the rough lemurs. Um, they're tricky and um, not shy about trying to slip through the doors. <laughs> Um, and, and they're very intelligent, obviously. Um, so have, have, do they get to know you very well and recognize you and um, show their personality more and more as they get comfortable? I think they definitely get to know the person that feeds them. Um, they know, <laughs> they see you and they know you as you're coming. Um, and so now that I've been out of animal care for several years, um, I don't necessarily get the same reaction that I did uh, when I was in that position. Um, but I think that you know, you definitely build up trust. Um, so part of the animal care job is doing animal training. Um, so we're doing positive reinforcement training to incorporate um, or teach them um, husbandry behavior. So that may be, you know, just sitting in front of the keeper or the technician so that um, they can do a once over and make sure that they're healthy. It might be, you know, having them, um, asking them to voluntarily get onto a scale, um, 
for more advanced uh, training, you know, having them stand in a certain position for a voluntary ultrasound or for a palpation during pregnancy. Uh, so as you train with them, you're building up this relationship and they um, come to trust you. Um, and that's, you know, a very special relationship to have um, uh, when you, you know, get to know them so well. That's very cool. Well, Sarah, I want to go back to you. Um, you know, we, we talked about the research that's being done to help lemurs worldwide, but maybe go into that research a bit more and, and what kind of studies are being done and how, how does that help the lemur population? So thinking about conservation uh, efforts specifically? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So first, it's, this is probably going to be a long answer to a short question. So feel free to cut me off if you need to. No, go ahead. <laughs> When you look at conservation efforts for lemurs, there are two kinds, and they are both critical. Um, they work in tandem with each other, and the Duke Lemur Center does both. So you have in situ conservation. So that's actually, you know, impactful for lemurs living in their natural habitat. So for lemurs, that would be wild lemurs who are still in the forests of Madagascar. Then you have your ex situ initiatives, and those address the conservation and care of lemurs who are no longer living in the natural forest. They're living outside it. And usually those lemurs are in zoos or conservation centers. So when we think about research, we're looking at the ways that you know, research into lemur health and reproduction and so on can be applied to better caring for lemurs who live in captivity um, in Madagascar, at places like the Duke Lemur Center or at the LA Zoo. Um, and we're also looking at, okay, so in the wild, you know, what, what have we learned about what most affects lemur behavior so that we know how to better protect their habitat in the wild and what the effects of, you know, fragmented habitat are. Um, so it's, it's a very, very big question. Um, I can talk a little bit about what those specific efforts are in both of those areas. Is that yeah. helpful? Kind of sure. what we do? Maybe, maybe what you guys are up to now. Uh, I'm sure there's okay. a lot of efforts that have been done at the Duke Lemur Center, but what's happening now that you guys are involved with? Yeah, so um, for NC2 conservation, so working with those lemurs who are actually living within human care, we have three like really exciting new projects that we just launched this year. This is a big year for us. Um, so back in two, 2017, um, the government of Madagascar actually requested the assistance of the Duke Lemur Center to increase the level of care in Madagascar zoos. Um, there are 14 licensed zoos on the island of Madagascar, and those zoos house more than 600 lemurs across 20 endangered species. So three times more lemurs live in captivity in Madagascar than we have here at the Duke Lemur Center. Wow. Um, so this is a major way to make an impact there. Um, so Again, working with the government of Madagascar, we've developed a comprehensive lemur care and management manual um, that will now serve as an official document um, through the Ministry of the Environment in Madagascar to actually advance standards of lemur care throughout those zoos, which is very, very cool. Um, one of our primate technicians who has worked here for 15 years, she's one of our most experienced staff members. She's actually going to go live in Madagascar for 10 months, starting in September. Wow. And she'll actually train the staff of Madagascar zoos on those animal care behaviors, how to monitor their health, how to establish a conservation breeding program, um, how to manage birth season and care for infants. Um, and in that way, again, like really increase the health of the the lemurs living in captivity in Madagascar and also helping with their own conservation breeding programs. 
Um, we've also kind of our third initiative is this was our first like big veterinary exchange um, that we've done. So we actually brought a Malagasy veterinarian here for three months intensive training in lemur veterinary medicine so that she can then go back to Madagascar and provide better care for captive lemurs there. Um, that's also a big deal because Siki is now one of only five veterinarians in Madagascar who's known to treat lemurs. Wow. So I feel like I feel like of all the places to have uh, lemur veterinarians, you definitely need them in Madagascar. Yeah, exactly. Um, but lemur, or just vet school in general in Madagascar, is very different than what we have here in the U.S. Um, it's not. It's a little bit more theory based. So, Siki hadn't had a lot of like direct hands-on experience working with lemurs or other animals, really. So, the ability to come to the Duke Lemur Center, learn from our veterinarians, and then take all of that knowledge back to Madagascar is crucial. So that's very been cool. really, really exciting. Yeah, thanks for sharing. Um, yeah, I wanted to, um, wanted to pose a couple rapid-fire questions as we're wrapping up here uh, to both of you. So okay. uh, whoever wants to go first, uh, favorite kind of lemur? Go for it, Erin. That's tough. Um, <laughs> I am really partial to the red rough lemurs. When I first started here, I was caring for a family of 10 uh, rough lemurs. Um, many of them now are at other zoos. But uh, they've got this very loud alarm call, which can be kind of annoying to some people, but uh, I'm quite fond of it. And uh, I just really enjoyed my time caring for them. So that's my favorite species. Nice. Sarah? I'm going to pick two. I love the mongoose lemur, and I also love the shafak. Shafak. Nice. <laughs> farthest, uh, farthest a guest has traveled to be at the Duke Lemur Center. We had guests come from Australia specifically to do our keeper for a day tour. Wow. Wow. Yeah. wow. Yep. Oh, and, and remind me if I don't, we need to get, we need to definitely talk about some of those tours that you give. Um, okay. Yeah. So, uh, is a rapid, just tell me about the Madagascar movies and why you do or do not like them. Cause Sarah, we've talked about this. <laughs> I, I already told you that King Julian thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love that they have, <laughs> done a lot to raise awareness of lemurs. Um, sometimes movies like that can, can have the effect of um, making people think that they aren't quite as endangered as they are. You see ringtails in the media all the time. It has the tendency to make people think that, oh, you know, ringtails are everywhere. You go to Madagascar, it's just crawling with ringtails. And that is not the case. Those are endangered animals. People don't realize how critically endangered lemurs are. Gotcha. Um, so I love the awareness, but there are downsides. Um, very good. Funniest story. Maybe this is a question for Aaron. Uh, as you, have you as you've been caring for uh, the lemurs for quite a few years now, what's maybe the funniest story you've had interaction with lemurs? Um, gosh, lots of funny, fascinating moments when observing animal behavior. Um, we're you know always learning new things about how they interact with their family members and with the environment around them. Um, I would say one particular um, story, um, you know, we sometimes um, provide uh, green onions as a form of enrichment. So as a part of their daily care, they receive um, some form of enrichment every day. Um, so enrichment is to promote um, natural behaviors, um, encourage um, physical activity, um, keep them occupied for longer periods of time. And lemurs are very scent oriented. Um, and so um, we are, you know, always encouraging uh, them to interact um, 
with the environment, and sometimes that means uh, with novel um, scents. Um, so we'll prevent, uh, present them with um, these uh, shoots of green onions and a particular um, species, uh, the um, common black lemurs and the crown lemurs. Um, they're some of our stinkiest that we have here at the center. And they um, react in a really funny way to the green onions. They basically um, put them underneath their, um, their armpits or between their legs and they're like flossing with the green onions. Of course. Um, yeah, naturally, which you would yes, you do. Yes, um, but uh, it's seen in the wild as well. It's this behavior called self-anointing, and appropriately um, <laughs> yeah, named. Um, and so, you know, certain species are doing it um, to um, uh, cover themselves with this. Um, uh, they'll use millipedes. They'll actually find millipedes in the wild, and they'll chew on them, and then rub the toxic secretions from the millipedes all over their body. And it lovely. Can, yeah, it can actually act as a repellent or an insecticide. Um, they tend to have these intestinal parasites, and by they're basically self-medicating with the um, uh, with the millipede juice. And um, anyway, we we imagine that that's a similar reaction to what we see when we present them with green onions. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's like Old Spice for lemurs, essentially. So that's. <laughs> Awesome. All right. Well, I wanted to end with this. How can people hearing this uh, get involved or even visit the center? So there are a lot of ways to get involved. I'll let Aaron talk about volunteering, uh, but I'll just mention we are hosting a gala here in October. If anybody's interested in learning more about our conservation programs, um, come to the gala. It's called Mission Madagascar. Um, very conservation focused. Um, we also offer tours. So we're open to the public. We host about 32,000 people a year on 10 different kinds of tours. We have camps, we have workshops. Um, just be sure to check our website and note that you do need to have a reservation in advance. But all of the money that we generate through tours and camps and so on actually goes right back to animal care and conservation. So you are definitely supporting the lemurs just by coming for a visit. Awesome. And Erin, you wanted to talk about uh, volunteering? Yeah, so another way to get involved is to um, volunteer here at the center. Um, we have uh, working professionals, retired members of the community, and of course students who get involved um, with our various volunteer opportunities. Um, people can be tour guides, so leading our general tours, um, helping with animal care, um, working in our vegetable garden, helping with um, administrative tasks, um, and it's all, you know, ways to give your time um, and really um, become part of the DLC family on a regular basis. So um, we have information about our volunteer positions on our website. Um, we also have internship um, opportunities for undergraduate students. All right. Well, anything else that uh, we haven't talked about that you'd like to? Yeah, John, I would love to just discuss impact and the 919 here yes, at the Duke Lemur Center. Yeah, um, seems like a great way to do it. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I always want to emphasize the Duke Lemur Center is not just a place full of cute animals. I mean, we certainly do have cute animals and you can come and see them in tours, but we're actually doing groundbreaking research here that has major implications, not just for lemur health and conservation, but also for the treatment of human diseases like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. Um, so we are very much a part of the study of medicine that Durham is, and we're really, really proud to be a part of that. 
Um, I also want to add, there is nowhere else on earth like the Duke Lemur Center, and we are truly unique in the world, and that makes Durham unique in the world as well. So other cities can boast award-winning restaurants, they can boast basketball championships and national top 10 universities, but there is literally no other city that has anything like the DLC. Well, I think it's fair to say Durham has all of that that, that you just mentioned, yes. and, and a Duke Lemur Center. So, all of that uh, and so much more. <laughs> Well, I can think of no better way to end the podcast. Thanks for mentioning that. And yeah. uh, Sarah and Aaron, thanks so much for taking time every day to host me and for joining the 919 podcast. Yeah, thank you so much, John. That was Sarah and Aaron from the Duke Weimer Center. You can actually follow the podcast by going on Instagram and Facebook or Twitter and searching at the 919 podcast and if you have any thoughts on the show or maybe are a business owner and want your very own ad on the future episode then email me at the 919 podcast at gmail.com thanks so much for listening and see y'all next week with another episode